0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I hope you're getting some answers. I hope you are. Because God's got some great things coming, folks. Great things coming. But what it is that when we we get together in a time of and a season of prayer and fasting... We have certain aims that we're looking for. Well, we're not only looking for guidance from God. We're not only looking for a new beginning, so to speak, within ourselves. We're looking for something, how we can even approach and get closer and be one with God. Because we put away a number of things out of our way, anything that would hinder us, so to speak. And now we're right there listening to God. So as we talk about this morning, I want you to go with me to First Samuel 15. And I want to talk to you about how we don't do this. So we'll be right on the same page, amen? <laughs> because we want to know the mind of Christ and align ourselves with it. It says here that uh, getting in First Samuel 15. That Samuel the prophet said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself up against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has, And do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Utterly destroy them. You see, God knows, and we have learned over the ages, that a little bit of yeast leavens the loaf. And if you allow this type of thing in your midst, and you entertain it, what happens? You're affected by it. God would not have that for his people. This may sound to some of you that that's harsh, man. Just go in and annihilate them, destroy them so they'll never exist again. But our God is jealous over his bride. He will do whatever it takes to keep us. So this was the commission that Saul, the king, had to go forth and do. And he went out, came to Amalek, he ambushed them, he destroyed them. Almost. Almost. You see, it says to us here that, beginning at verse 10, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel again, saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed. And he cried out to the Lord all night. Then the next morning he rose up. And he went to look for Saul. And they told him, well, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument to himself there. I hope you don't do that. He had victory. He thought he had done the will of the Lord and is at least within his own mind. So, So now he sets up a monument to himself. And from there he goes to Gilgal. So here comes Samuel trying to find Saul again. And he finally catches up to Saul. And Saul says, I bless you, Samuel. I've done the will of the Lord. And the first words out of Samuel's mouth was, Then what is the lowing of this sheep and the lowing of the oxen? You see, oftentimes we think we know the mind of Christ. Sometimes we think we know the will of God. But along the way, we tend to try to manipulate that a little bit to where it's more in aligned with what we're thinking and what we want to do. And then we proclaim, we've done it, Lord. This was King Saul. And he starts justifying himself. Well, well when we got there, we did it. We really did. We took care of all the people. But we saved the, the, the people. He's always blaming somebody else. The people kept the best of the flocks and the herds to offer up to your God. I thought he was his God. We're going to offer it up to your God. Then Samuel said to Saul, Wait, and let me tell you what else God told me last night. Is it not true that though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you king over Israel? And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but you rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of God? What they had done was rushed upon the spoil. Some of them were hungry and they slayed animals and ate them bare. Didn't cook them. Didn't prepare them according to the the ritual law. They just went wild. Then Saul, Saul said to Samuel, Well, I did obey the voice of the Lord. I went on the mission which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag. Oh, boy. Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He's still trying to justify himself. But the people took some of the spoiled sheep and oxen, the choices of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than Sacrifice. And to heed from the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now that's harsh. But that's our God. He doesn't play around. He has a righteous way in which He lives, and He expects His people to live, and we're holy and right before Him as long as we are following after Him. And I know sometimes as we've gone through this first week of the fast, you've, had, you've probably had some problems. My household has. We thought, we thought what did we do wrong? It seemed like the enemy just wanted to find every little crevice he could find to just wheeze himself in there and say... And I said, wait a minute, this is not our God. We're not going to put up with this. And so I want to sort of share with you today that, you see, when we come to the place that we think that we know what God wants, and we begin to manipulate, like I said, and wanted to bring it about it, what comes is judgment. Judgment. Thus, we are fasting to get the mind of Christ and apply that and walk in it. Our endeavor is to align ourselves. It means we put aside our own ideas. It means we put aside what we think, what we want to do, what we think ought to happen. And saying, God, it's all yours. Your opinion is all that matters. Your word is is the word we want. We want to live only and only as you have us to live, Lord. That's what we need to do. We don't have to like it necessarily. Do you hear me? We don't have to like it necessarily. And you can argue with God all you want. But you see, God has to be top priority. God has to be top priority. And then once we get the mind of Christ, what are we supposed to do? Obey it. Exactly. It's not there for us to trifle with or to play around with. It's the word of the Lord. And that's what we're seeking in this time of fasting and prayer. You see, why is this important? I know from experience that sometimes it's hard to be one with God. It is. Much less one with you. Because the enemy is always there to try to uh, cause some kind of a conflict or something that causes me to wonder. But listen, Jesus said it very clearly in Matthew 12:25. And knowing their thoughts, what, 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 let me build this up for you. Jesus had been casting out demons and the Pharisees came and said, He cast out demons by the power of the devil to discredit him, to discredit him. And so Jesus answered them and said, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. Jesus was saying, I can't be casting out demons by the devil who gives them. I'd be going against him. That's not going to happen. And Jesus is saying, in my house, my word is is top priority. Nothing you have to say matters a bit. He's saying, what I do, I do by the power of God. I don't do it by the power of man. He went further and humiliated and said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, what do you say about your own people who cast out demons? Jesus made it very clear. We can't be divided. We can't have separate parties within the church and expect to do what God wants us to do. Romans 15 verses 1 through 6 says basically the same thing. So listen to me here. It tells us to be of one mind, not pressuring other people to follow the ways we want. So this is what Paul wrote. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, mm. to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For who whatever was written was in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Remember that word hope in the Greek is expectation, that we might have expectation. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can't be divided here. We can't come up with two different plans. We can't come up with three ways to accomplish what God wants to do. He gives us one. And we are to unite and obey that. Always we are to be one. With Him, with one another. Now, I know oneness with God is sometimes hard. Oneness with you all is even harder. Sometimes oneness with my wife, but we we won't go there. But you know what I'm talking about. There's always a different thought, a different thing. And we have to stop for a moment and entertain that and uh, think it through and see if there's any reason in it, why we should. And then finally, we come out of that. And this is what the Word is saying. One way, one way, one mind, one voice, one accord. Now I know, and you know, that when we do this, when we are serious about praying and, and, and denying ourselves of things during this fasting, that it can take you 15 minutes to pray a five minute prayer. Anybody have that problem? Because there's hindrances that keep popping up in your minds all the time. While you're trying to praise God, you're trying to press in, you're trying to get close to Him, you're trying to get the mind of Christ, the enemy's always there brigging. Don't forget you got to pick up Sally at school tomorrow too. Oh, and don't forget, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? Come on now, nobody experiencing this except me? Come on. Okay there are always hindrances that seem to just uh, come and they want to drive us down and it's hard to keep focused when we pray and we get irritated and irritated and finally we just want to take control over it ourselves. And you know what happens when we do that? We fight like a girl. No. You, you didn't hear me. We fight like a girl. have it on assurity. That's why little girls learn to do patty cake. <clears throat> we fight like a girl. Why do I say that? It's because we get so caught up in the hindrances, we forget the God that we're praying to. We forget. That's the purpose for being here. And so we continue and as long as we continue to give attention to the hindrances. We never get our focus fully around God. And therefore, we are able to draw into him and receive all he wants to give. Listen, folks, we're always going to have distractions. The enemy doesn't go away, he's always there wanting to bring us down. He's wanting to conquer us, he's wanting to cause us in some way to give up what we're supposed to be doing. Even the Apostle Paul suffered that. You've read the story, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. He didn't like it. He prayed three times to God, take this away. Why? I'm not about to tell you what the thorn was. But what it would do would make Paul less operative, less able, less, you know, Uh, uh, to bring forth life that he was carrying within him. And he was saying, God, take this away. Surely you would want to take this away from me. And God says, (laughs) my grace, and grace, remember, in Greek means my empowerment is all you need. Paul had taken his focus of what he was doing because of the thorns. But God says, this is all you need, my grace. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the strength. So whenever you're weak, you will be strong because I'm behind you. I'm with you. I'm in you. And you will point me to the world because that's what you have sent you to do. You see, we've got to get a hold of that. We've got to get a hold of the fact that sometimes we tend to forget. The enemy is still here. He still seems to come and uh, steal, kill, and destroy, and what we have to do is answer him back. We're not dying. We live in a culture that just, just disdains the church, calls us antiquated, calls us out of tune, and they don't want to listen to us anymore. Well, i got news for them. There is a God who is coming. And he's greater than anything you can raise up. He's mightier than any power that you can ever imagine. He is coming and there's nothing you can do to stop him. And furthermore, as for us, we're rising up. We're not sitting down. We're going to take this place just like we said we were. And it's going to be done in the power of the living God that you ignore. God said to him, focus on me, Paul. That's all you need to do is focus on me. Distractions are there, folks. Just ignore them. There's a story that goes about, <laughs> about Martin Luther. He, you, the man who nailed the theses on the Catholic Church wall door. He was sleeping and awakened one night. Thought he heard a noise. And he looked around and Satan was standing beside him he said, oh, it's just you, and went back to sleep. That's what we ought to do. When the hindrances come, oh, it's just you, forget it. God wants us to be one. One with Him. One with one another. So that with oneness within us, we can go forth and we will not be stopped. We will not be stopped. We can't be stopped. So, How will we know if we have this oneness? (laughs) How are we going to know it when we get to it? Psalm 133 is a perfect example. Listen to what he says here. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. God recognizes that. We need to recognize that. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes. This is when he was anointed to be priest. It was poured over his head. It ran down into his beard. It fell upon his robe. This was the oneness of God. His anointing for the position he was in. That's unity. That's unity. And he says it's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. Been on Hormone. From there flows a lot of water that comes down and begins the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River on down to the bottom. It's a pretty high mountain. But listen, it says, For it is there that the Lord commanded the blessing. What is that blessing? Life evermore. That's unity, that's unity. that's what God wants us to get into. that's what God wants us to entertain. that's what God wants us to know. Listen, even Jesus said this in John 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, "I and my father are one." yeah, we've read it we, we, we've read that in the scriptures. we know that, yeah. Well think about it. He and his father are one, but the blessing doesn't stop there. You see, if we look at John 17, the priestly prayer of Jesus, in verse 22 through 24, Jesus prays this, The glory God which you have given me, I've given to them, us, that they may be one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. That's what God wants. He never wants us to lose sight of that because what he has for us is too big to ignore. It's going to surpass whatever we may think in our flesh because it comes straight from him. How do we do that? And how are we going to know when we get into oneness? There's a word I use that a lot of people don't like. We'll be in consistence. We'll be in consensus, which means we'll be of one mind. One mind. Any topic that comes along, we will not act upon it till we all voice our, our, our voices. And in the end, we'll all agree, and it'll be one thing. I've been in places where it took consensus to be able to move forward. Because, you see, when you don't have consensus, you lose power. You divide. You cause division. But when you have consensus, there is one. And that one reigns. Let me ask the question. How How many of you love mashed potatoes? Okay. <clears throat> now I want you to picture with me. I'm going to give you five potatoes and I want you to boil them and cut them up and then mash them and stir them up, add a little butter. And when you've got that bowl of mashed potatoes before you, can you tell me where one potato is? You can't tell where one begins and the other ends, can you? Because it's one bowl of mashed potatoes. This ring, is one ring. It's a complete, perfect circle just like the Godhead whom we serve. And in that ring is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, you can't tell where one begins and the other ends. Why is that? Because they're one. You'll see distinctives between them, but they're still one. And that's what God wants in us. We may have some distinctives, yes. We may have a little niche here or there. But we're still one mind, one spirit, because there's only one Lord. I don't think I'm getting this home to you yet. We are encouraged to be one spirit with God. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. I know you know these things. You've read these scriptures. You understand them. I'm just here today to just remind us as we go through this that there's going to be distractions. There's going to be things that try to tear us down, to tear us apart from our mission. But we can't. We just have to say, oh, it's you and we remain one. Let me multiply it again. An average person, an average person, you see, our bodies are one. We have many members, different organs, and they each do a different thing, but they all work together to keep this body working and healthy as one. Let me tell you about yourself, just the average one of you. In a 24-hour period, that's one day, your heart beats 103,689 times. Your blood travels an unbelievable 168 million miles as it courses through your body. Every time you breathe, you take 23,040 breaths during a 24-hour time. And in the process, you inhale 43.8 cubic feet of air. We eat 3.25 pounds of food and we drink 2.9 quarts of liquid while working 750 muscles and exercising 7 million brain cells. That's the power of one. That's the power of one. That's what God is calling us to. We don't want to lose sight of that. We don't want to, to get away from what God has called us to do. We don't want to lose it. That's why I'm bringing this to you today. Because you see, he's after our hearts. But we've got to make sure that we're all one. It's a very simple lesson I'm bringing. But you need to understand, this is what God wants. Let me give you one more, more illustration here. It's found in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 4. The apostles have been taken before the authorities. They've been beaten. They've been threatened. Don't preach anymore in the name of this Jesus. And after they we went through it, they dismissed them. Bad decision, because they went back to the body of Christ. And in verse 29 it says, verse 23, I'm sorry. When they had been released, they went through their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord. It is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise uh, futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Bad news. For truly in this city there were gathered together again, Against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to do. And now, Lord, take none of their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. That's oneness, folks. When we stand before, with our God, no matter what the threats may be, no matter what the hindrance is, no matter what the culture says, when we stand, we're one. And that's what God has called us to be. One. I've already told you about your own body. The power of one is immense. And as we do that, I don't know how God's going to show up when we get done. But when He does, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful. I'm going to say it again. It's going to be powerful. Because we are bound to be one with one another, one with the Lord, that whatever He desires, whatever His heart is, that's what we seek. Amen? Pray with me. Father, you are awesome. You're greater than I can ever imagine, Lord. And you have seen in your heart to love us. With all of our flaws, with all of our problems, you love us. And Lord, as we have humbled ourselves now before you, and we've set aside this time that we might cry out to you, that we might fast and pray and get your mind for what lies ahead. Oh God, bless it, Lord. Bless it. Keep us, O oh Lord. We laugh at the enemy because we are one with you, with one another. And we speak with one voice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And give you peace.